Please give me your name and your title. Natalie Reese, uh, Chief Development Officer for the City of College Station. And what is your guilty pleasure when it comes to binging or streaming a show? Ooh, it's got to be uh, true crime. Um, that's my favorite, or or some sort of reality, reality show. Specific show? Well, you know, I'm I'm crazy about the Housewives. Mm. I I like to watch it because I feel much better about my life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what streaming shows are all about. That's right. That's right. Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol. I get to visit today with Natalie Ruiz, Chief Development Officer for the City of College Station. Natalie and I worked together at the City of College Station from 2014 to 2022, where arguably you were nothing without me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you give listeners a quick journey of your career path with College Station that has led you to your current position? Oh, gosh, that's going to take some time. Okay. Um, but uh, so I started working for the city in 1990. That seems so old now when you talk about your career in decades. Yeah. Um, started there. I was still at A&M uh, working my way through school, needed a full-time job. Um, I was with the city for about 15 years, issuing building permits, working in the planning department, doing site plan review. Um, mainly the development review side of things, develop um, inspections, reviewing plans, and then left for 10 years and was in the private sector, had a, a, a local consulting firm with two other partners, and uh, did that for about 10 years and then came back to the city in 14 and uh, came back for five years to finish up my retirement. And I think it's been eight now that I've been, <laughs> that I've been okay. back. <laughs> you just can't quit. I can't. I can't. But you came in as Economic Development Director. Is that right? I did. So during the recession, um, that 10 years that I was in consulting, the city had, uh, had to cut quite a bit during, during that time period. And they completely cut economic development. Hmm. And that was an area when Kelly Templin, the then city manager, came in was a real um, focus for him, kind of coming out of the recession and rebuilding our local economy. And he convinced me to come back and, and restart the program and just kind of figure out what the heck we were going to do as a city of College Station and, and uh, in improving our overall economy. But then things got added to your plate. Yes. Th that that <laughs> that line in your job descriptions, that's other duties as assigned, uh -huh. right? Um, so it really started out as more um, recruitment, like reaching out to not only the retailers that, that we wanted to see here in our market that would really have a big impact that our residents really wanted, but going out and directly targeting those like the Costco's of the world, some of the restaurants that, that are here, uh, some of your larger retailers, your home goods and, and uh, folks that our residents wanted to see. And then it sort of moved into the industry recruitment and working with our local regional partners on that. And then in the middle of COVID, we decided to bring in um, all of our Convention and Visitors Bureau functions into the city department, and uh, that was added to my plate as well. And so it's been, a, it's been a big learning curve the last few years. Yeah, I would say so. Well, I spoke recently with Joey Dunn of the City of Bryan about some of the highlights he shared during the annual Chamber of Commerce Economic Outlook Conference. So I know that you spoke at that same conference, if you would tell me about some of the meaningful data or announcements that you were able to share about the city of College Station. So Jay, you know me, I'm a, I'm a geek about these kind of things. So things that I would find interesting, you know, you guys may not, but at least in my, in my experience with the city, this is the first time that we've ever seen jobs in the private sector 
exceed those in the public sector. You know, we're the home of Texas A&M University. That's that's uh, really our economic driver and, and has the majority of the primary jobs here. That's a new jobs creating? Yes. Okay. Yes. When you, when you look at our total market in terms of private and public, We've always exceeded. Uh, we've always been trying to really diversify that that mix to have more on the private sector, and this is the first year that I've been able to find in our history that we've ever had more jobs in that private sector. Um, last year, as a city, we uh, added 970 new full-time jobs, hmm. which which is big for a city of our size, and we saw those numbers increase. We've seen really big gains in the last 10 years in that professional and uh, the biotech industry. You know, companies like Fujifilm has made their home here and they recently expanded. They added about another 300 million in their expansion plans, another 150 jobs that average about $80,000 a year. So those, those will have a big impact on our community. So how does that influence, in your opinion, what happens in terms of new job creation moving forward. And I know that's determined by a lot of factors, but I'm really asking in the context of, does that somewhat give a permission structure to other biotech industries or anyone else who sort of feeds off of that to to consider College Station and this community? Yeah, I I think there's two things there. One, um, one we didn't expect. We didn't expect competitors to come in um, that are also in that biotechnology market. They see the talent that we have here coming out of Texas A&M, and they want to be a part of it. We've seen two companies make College Station their home. Matica Biotechnologies has recently um, located in the Providence Park off of Highway 6. They've invested about $20 million in new lab space and have about 25 new jobs there. So they've come into our market. This is their headquarters. Um, this is their headquarters for Matica um, that's that's owned out of Korea. So this is their world headquarters here. Um, we've also seen Zoetis come into town that's really more of the animal bioscience side. And uh, they're expanding and making it their home as well. Um, I think it also tells a story that we're not just... Um, we're, we're not just home to any one thing, right? We're seeing more companies make their home here in College Station and investing and, and seeing that College Station is, is really the future. So for the, the companies that you just mentioned, was this, uh, for them, was this a result of a very long recruitment process and, and so forth? Or, you know, did these kind of pop up out of the blue somewhat? I, in other words... How much work went into pulling these folks in? So there was a ton of work that was done when Fuji came in, and that that started with the partnership with Texas A&M and bringing in um, some of the federal DARPA funding to be able to mass produce large quantities of vaccines, kind of moving into um, vaccine and gene therapy as part of it. So that was the initial investment. And since that time with Fuji, they have locations in Denmark, they have them in North Carolina. So not only were we were we competing with other areas of the world, we were competing within that same company. And so the most recent expansion, uh, we we were competing with North Carolina, their their facility in North Carolina. And so we were able to land that here, I think, from previous partnerships where we were able to work through permitting and construction issues. You know, you can't take down 
a vaccine line or a gene therapy line for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so being able to to have a strong partnership with Fuji, I think that really helped land some of these future expansions. Now, Zoetis and Matica, because of because of the, the life science emphasis here at A&M, that was much more organic in that they saw the the amount of research that A&M is doing, I mean, we're spending over a billion dollars a year in different types of research efforts, and the talent that's coming out of A&M, that happened a little more organically here. Hmm. Now, in your presentation to the Economic Outlook Conference, I know you touched on things like construction permits and sales tax revenues and, and things like that. Uh, I, I think those were both very positive for 2022, correct? Absolutely. We, um, when you look at our last 10 years when it comes to new construction, and that's, that's residential, commercial, remodeling, that's everything happening within the city limits, save and accept the campus. That, that doesn't include uh, construction on campus. But we saw just under $600 million just last year invested in new construction. And that was really the highest watermark that we've seen since 2017 kind of coming out of the recession we had a very we had a record year in 17 with uh, several high rises under construction in northgate Um, our schools were expanding in a big way but but we've seen an increase since that time and this was this was the largest that we've seen um, since 17. Mm. how about housing is that does that follow it does. It does. And, and where we've seen some of the biggest gains was in the last two years in the residential market. You know, it fluctuates, right? You know, some years you see more residential being constructed. And then often what you'll see after that is commercial. Commercial will follow those rooftops. And, and that's exactly what we've seen. Strong residential markets the last couple of years. We added 700 new single family homes last year, which is pretty consistent to what we've added. And uh, very strong multifamily market, as you can tell by some of the development south of town, as well as Northgate. There's several high rises that are under construction now. Yeah. So you you touched on biotech, but uh, talk a little bit about, in your opinion, some of the most exciting new development projects underway in College Station, and and maybe even the most exciting redevelopment projects. And you know, why should residents find those to be big deals? You know, I. I think what a lot of folks don't realize, and I didn't, I didn't realize until um, I came back to the city, is that we're quickly running out of land. You know, when you look at at our city limits, you, we can't just keep expanding to the south, which is what's been happening over the last uh, several years. We've really got to focus on redevelopment. Look at those areas where there's already infrastructure where you may have a a property that's underutilized that could be redeveloped and have a little more density in there. Um, Not only does it balance out our economy, it also makes better use of what's already there, right? And so some of the things that we've done, um, talking about South College Station, I mean, Costco's a big one. You know, we, we spent, gosh, the eight years that I've been back, I mean, we started having those early conversations as to, would you like to come to College Station? <laughs> and the first question is, where is that? And, you know, kind of walking through that with them and, and up to the point where they, they finally made the decision to locate here. So you see the, the Midtown area developing with Costco. We now have the adjacent 28 acres next to Costco on Highway 6 under contract uh, for just over $9 million. And there's a, that'll be a new commercial development. They're, they're in the due diligence phase right now looking at new restaurants, uh, some new entertainment uses, um, as well as your general uh, commercial services there. 
I think some of the most exciting redevelopment that that I've seen over over the the entire time that I've been here is really Northgate. Mm-hmm. Um, Northgate was an area back in the '90s where uh, it was more of a code enforcement area. I mean, there were there were warnings and tickets that were written for parking in the yard and or not mowing your yard or not taking care. Um, the houses were um, had rotten wood and and it was a code enforcement, right? Right. And um, what we've seen is we it started with the plan. And looking at adding more density, especially for students closer to campus, so you wouldn't have to necessarily get in your car. And and we've seen close to 10,000 new beds over the last eight years in Northgate. 10,000? Close to 10,000, Does yes. that include the construction that's underway right now? It does. Wow. It does. Wow. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit more about Northgate? Sure. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. I see the way you're looking at me. I'm like, what are you going to ask me? I know. Well, so <laughs> you've described to me in in the past that that area is College Station's version of New York City Central Park in terms of real estate value. Like that's that's it for us. Right. right? That's that's the absolute highest value in Brazos County per per square foot. And it's certainly evolving vertically and like you said from a density standpoint. But I, I know there is a desire by some public safety officials and and I'm sure others to to kind of change the makeup of Northgate to not only make it safer, but make it more of a family destination, maybe during the daytime and the nighttime. Is, is that fair to say? I, that's certainly fair to say. Um, I, I think it's utilizing that area uh, more often, right? I mean, at least at least when I was in school here, you know, 100 years ago, Northgate was a place that you went to in the evenings and it was students, right? It wasn't really your family's um, that that would that would be there during the day parking was always an issue and uh, so we're trying to really provide that mix of uses you know i mentioned earlier that rooftops come first Mm -hmm. and then the retail follows so our hope is that we would we would see more commercial services over there whether it's a grocer some more general services to where you don't have to get in your car to go buy groceries um as as part of that but um, in terms of improving safety and that connectivity to A&M, that's really what, what started that, that redevelopment plan was if we continue to go further south, you've got students that are driving back and forth on Texas Avenue, really increasing, uh, and Welburn Road, increasing those traffic numbers. But concentrating those, uh, that density in Northgate closer to the campus was a real key in that whole visioning process back then. And... We didn't expect high rises, no, but but we we did want that type of density there to be able to be in close proximity to campus. Yeah. If you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters, and my guest is City of College Station Chief Development Officer Natalie Ruiz. When when Joey Dunn and I visited recently, he mentioned Brian's excitement about the future of Hensel Park. And uh, which is owned by A and M, but it has adjacencies to both cities and to Century Square, uh, major corridors, and so on. So, what can we expect to evolve at Hensel Park, and and you know what does any sort of partnership between the cities and the university look like with that? Right. So I I, I can tell you where we are now and where where I think we're headed. Um, Currently, the uh, there's a, a student group that is working on some ideas for a future park at that location. This is that area, as you mentioned, behind Century Square that goes to the city limit line. So it's right there in between the two cities. 
Um, we're currently working on some infrastructure. There's there's a, a major sewer line that needs to go through there to be able to service all of the growth at Northgate as well as the, the Century Square development. And so there's currently a group of students, and then there's a group of representatives from both cities and Texas A&M that are meeting on a regular basis and will take the results of the student group um, in terms of uses and what are some of those key development um, elements they would like to include. And then from that point, we'll go into the design phase and then start looking at who participates in what, you know, because I think this is this is an amenity that really benefits both cities as well as the university. And what could that be moving forward and how is it paid for? Um, so I think in the next 18 months to two years, we'll be able to flesh that out a little bit more, look at phasing and, be, and look at funding in terms of actually putting it on the ground. Which sounds pretty exciting for that. I mean, because that is really the center of everything. It, it is. And you look at the success of Century Square and the kind of density and mix of uses. It's, it's, it's become a destination. And then right behind there, you know, we talked about underutilized areas. You know, what could that area be to really enhance Century Square? Also enhance the folks that live in that area um, and being able to add maybe even some additional commercial uses as part of that. Okay. So do you want to spend a, a minute or two doing what you and I used to do back at the College Station, just kind of fly around uh, virtually the city of College Station, talk about some, some fun things that are on the way? Let's do it. Well, tell me, what, what in the world's coming? You know, um, in terms of development, I mean, you look at South College Station. We, we talked earlier about the Midtown area. We've seen a lot of commercial development there. And, and more to come. But Gringo's was a big get, you know, this last year that has opened. I don't know if you've been there yet. You've got to get in line online most of, most of the time, but it's well worth the wait. Right. You know, we've also seen developments like the uh, Bush's Chicken, um, the, the Pie in the Sky uh, location. It's now La Petite Cochon. Okay. I'm, I'm saying that completely wrong. But, but we've seen some really... Um, unique higher-end restaurants uh, locate here. You see 1860 Italia is out in that out in that area of town as well. Um, Shogun is finally under construction. I think they've had their sign up there for quite a while. They have, yeah. But but they are finally under construction. And then Caprock Crossing continues to develop as well. You've got Marfa Texas Kitchen there. Uptown Brunch is coming. Harvest Coffee. You know, there's there's inspiration and downtown and corked I mean there's there's some really um, unique and interesting commercial that's that's coming out in that area that that we haven't traditionally seen we've also seen quite a bit on the University Drive corridor I mean that's you know when whenever whenever we talk to someone who's looking for a new restaurant or new retail location Everybody wants to be, or pretty much, wants to be as close to university in Texas as they can possibly be because right. of the traffic counts there. And so you're seeing Abuelos being redeveloped, um, and I can't pronounce it correctly, but it's Café Manger, and that'll be a steak and seafood um, uh, development. It's the same group that has Casa do Brazil that, that is doing that. Hmm. Um, you also see the Red Lobster that Trudy's Tex-Mex will start. Uh, they're pulling permits now and will start construction in the next uh, next 30 to 60 days. You know, we saw the El Ninfas come back to life and as Maria Mia's. So we're seeing quite a bit of new development. Uh, we don't typically see 
buildings sit vacant for a while. Now, Albertsons has, the old Albertsons has been that exception. That property recently sold, and they're currently looking to sublease that to several different users in the very early stages. But I would think by the end of the year, we would start seeing movement there in terms of new commercial. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how about head on um, the the potential partnership between the city of College Station and Texas A&M over at Post Oak Mall in the old Macy's location. Um, what I've heard is uh, e-sports, may, an e-sports arena of some kind. What is that about? So we, the the area around Post Oak Mall has been a focus on our, our long-range plan for, for a very long time. And similar to Northgate, you know, where it's taken 20 years to get to, to get to this point, we're at the beginning stages there at Post Oak Mall and the area around it. The um, initially in kind of looking at that Post Oak Mall property, it's about 50 acres. I mean, that's that's a huge piece of property in a prom location that we wanted to really encourage some redevelopment, maybe layer in some density with with new residential, um, a mix of offices, you know, something to start revitalizing that entire area. Well, this last year, Macy's uh, came on the market, and we weren't seeing a ton of movement in terms of something that would really be a catalyst for redevelopment there. We were getting a ton of interest in some of the self-storage locations. We were getting some interest in lower-end discount retailers that, that really wouldn't be bad from a foot traffic standpoint, but wouldn't be that catalyst for redevelopment. And we had the opportunity. We knew that A&M was looking for a new e-gaming facility. I did not know that, that, that gaming was an NCAA sport, uh, but it is. And uh, we, we thought that could be a huge catalyst for the, the redevelopment there. It's on a high-profile location. We purchased the property, and we're currently negotiating a letter of intent with A&M to kind of flesh out what that's going to look like, how big it's going to be, uh, what the impacts are to, to that area. But I think that's the first step in a major reinvestment in um, a prom location in College Station. Physically, what could that become? I mean, what what's, what is that transformation dream look like right now? I mean, I think the simplest form is keeping the same the the same square footage and the 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 current size of that building. Floor to floor, it's it's two stories, so a total of a hundred thousand square feet, so fifty thousand each floor. I think you blow the center of that where the escalators come comes they come up and there's an opening all the way. I think that opens up into a larger gaming area. But right now, I think we're just trying to figure out exactly what the e-gaming folks need and they that, that would make sense for, for their development and seeing how that works out with the Macy's. I, I think it could we can start completely from scratch, but I think it's more likely that we go in and blow out that second floor and start looking at what that arena would look like. I mean, any, any arena that you've been in. It, it's not just a, a 12, 16 foot ceiling. It's it's two stories. Yeah. So so I, I hear the economic development aspects of that. Put your tourism hat on. What what impacts are there from a tourism standpoint as it relates to e-gaming? I have no idea. You know, our, our hopes would be that we would see large tournaments being held at that location, that other schools would certainly visit um, and and play games there and compete just as you would in any other type of tournament. So the hope would be that it would also be a tourism tool that would bring folks in from surrounding areas and beyond, whether it's a collegiate tournament 
or if it's something that is put on by a software group or, or someone else that would come in and you would compete there just like um, just like a softball tournament or a baseball tournament. It's very similar. It's just gaming and indoors. Hmm. Are there any other amenities that would have to be built into something like this, whether it's conference space or, or other services that sort of help support? Port a, a facility like that. You know, I, I think I think there's a lot that could be added. Um, I think there's some retail that could come along with that in terms of hardware and software that could support. Um, definitely, if you're going to have that many people there, food and and food and beverage is always um, an issue. And and so I think the opportunity there, once we're able to flesh it out a little bit more as to what the impact's going to be and what it's going to look like, I think there are definitely spinoff opportunities that, that happen there at Post Oak Mall to support um, the e-gaming facility. Very interesting. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Um, okay. Here's a, here's a curveball for you. Oh, great. Can we talk about economic development code words, project code words? Sure. Just the absurdity i think of, of those things absolutely <laughs> can, can i talk about one specifically from right before i left the city okay can i do that sure okay so right before i left in uh 2022 we were working together on um on the potential announcement of a of a nationwide story that was about to emerge here right and so all the emails and the conversations wouldn't allow us to to mention the company right couldn't say it so there was a there was a code word or phrase that we had to use, and it was Project Maroon Macaw. I forgot about that. I oh. forgot that that was the name of it. Okay, yes. and that that turned out to be Amazon Prime Air. That's right. How often are these code words used in economic development, just to protect what you're doing? So they're they're used a ton, and to be honest with you, sometimes just I think it's my age. It's hard for me to remember the company name and a code name and all the specifics. So I I, I haven't probably taken it as seriously as I should have. Should um, you though? Well, on the maroon macaw, Amazon did not want us to release any of that. They they had been. Um, several stories had been written about some of the crashes that happened right. in a testing facility right. uh, where they should happen, where you should push um, drones or whatever you're testing to the limit. That's where you want to see um, what the what the equipment can do and what it can't do. But they were very specific in that, you know, there needs to be confidentiality. And, and these companies that are very strict about that, they will ask you to sign a confidentiality agreement. Um, and they were they were serious about it. So we we did. But yeah, you're right. Maroon McCall was the code name. Do you even get, uh, you know, question like, hey, uh, Natalie, what should we call this? What should the code word name? Do you have uh, input in all that? No, but I would love some input. I probably couldn't be as creative as that. But there's there's a there's a ton of with the Tesla announcement in Austin. There's there's a ton of companies that are looking for. Uh, locations to manufacture batteries that that are needed for the electrical vehicles. Yeah. And when they come out of the governor's office, they name the the different ones. And there's so many out there right now, and there's some crazy ones. I should have brought some that we could have talked about. When I have you back here, we're going to do that. Let's do it. I would love to do that. Natalie Ruiz, thank you so much for being here, and we need to do this again. Let's do it. Okay, I'm holding you to it. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. 
Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio 90.9 KAMU-FM, a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered and edited by the lovely and talented Matt Dittman. You can learn more about us at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio or email me anytime. Sokol, that's J-A-Y-S-O-C-O-L at tamu.edu. Thanks for listening.